0: Hey, girlies, welcome to the fourth episode of Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies, whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a forgotten classic, or uh, even a problematic fave, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is one of my dearest friends and a true music industry mogul, Alex Valenti. Hi, Alex.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, no, it is a true treat to have you on. Like you are the busiest woman in Hollywood, and it is just a true honor for you to make time for this today, so.
1: I would I would not miss it for the world, especially for an hour to talk with you. You're my favorite person. Uh,
0: so can you explain to the listeners what exactly you do?
1: Yeah, so I run a music management company. It's like a music services company. So we have um, managers that work underneath us that get access to different services they need, like A&R and marketing, digital, creative. And we also have a record label and publishing company that runs through Virgin and Universal and this company called Centric on the publishing side. It's based out of the UK. And our whole ethos is just figuring out a way to build an ecosystem of writers and producers and artists that all work together and are family oriented and kind of like all contribute to each other's success. So we launched right before the pandemic and are really just getting the ball rolling. And I'm super excited and grateful that been able to still have a lot of work to do during everything going on in the world.
0: No, it's nice like as a fellow music industry a young executive to use like our corporate jargon speak. Um music hasn't really been too damaged by the pandemic for better or worse. Like people are still releasing things, like the ecosystem is still churning out content. Like touring obviously has not been a possibility but like on a day-to-day level I feel like artists are at least being served by like the corporations that are uplifting them
1: definitely yeah it feels like finding and discovering and breaking music has just shifted more than it has before it's become yeah. more digital than it ever was before especially with everything going on with TikTok but Outside that, I agree, like, you know, everyone's still cranking out more music than ever. Um, It's going to be really interesting when touring is back because so many artists are going to be on the road.
0: So for listeners who may not be familiar, on a day-to-day level, what does a manager do for their clients?
1: So a manager is basically the CEO of the business. So basically, we oversee all of the relationships between Uh, That basically the artist has. So business manager, lawyer, record label, publisher, publicist. We make sure everyone's doing their job uh, and communicating efficiently. Uh, I would also say that many managers, at least myself in particular, are really involved in the actual art creation. So everything down from to the song to the music video to the album art, um, press pictures, all that stuff. We play a big role in. And then. Lastly, we kind of help facilitate the overall um, rollout of the music. So everything from the release day to what comes after that, so marketing, touring, um, making sure you know it all flows evenly and that the story is being told the way the artist wants it to be.
0: That's incredible. I mean, to quote the great B.B. Rex, power bitch moves only <laughs> in today's industry. <laughs> but I think incredible. this is- i think this is a good time to transition to our first segment we're going to play go call the governor so i'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and ancient history and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called there are no wrong answers but your choice is binary does the governor need to be called or not okay all right so let's play our first scenario today, Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor of California. Does the governor need to be called?
1: It absolutely needs to be called. It's totally unacceptable.
0: I fully agree, especially as a Republican, too. Like it's a uh, all of the press releases said that Caitlyn is a trans activist and I don't think I would necessarily say that.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree. And, you know, I can't speak on this as someone that's not part of the community, but I would say just from a general onlooker that she has been the total anti of what it means to be an activist for the community, especially coming from a place of just pure privilege. um, You know, I, I wouldn't have picked her to be the person to be, you know, one of the first, if not the first, I'm not entirely sure, trans person to be running for governor. I just call
0: the governor yeah the call the governor on the governor do you think the other members of the family would vote for caitlin
1: i think it's honestly a toss up but i have to be honest with you and i'd say that most of them probably will not be voting for caitlin
0: i think i would have to agree i mean that the relationship with the kids kendall and kylie especially just seems so fraught these days like though i honestly like I don't envision Kylie ever leaving her house, like, much less go to a a polling station, so maybe just she like just
1: doesn't know. Like, I would be shocked if they actually voted in the election. I just feel like they're so disconnected from politics, from real politics, like, from real things actually going on in the world. Like, I could see them doing it for, you know, uh, Some sort of endorsement. But yeah, this just feels very disingenuous and like very, you know, I feel like if you're running for office, you need to understand the whole scope of the people you're representing in LA, being like, you know, one of the most diverse, if not the most diverse city in the country. You should understand every single person living in it, and they just have a very skewed perspective
0: right i really i mean this is like the tritest thing in the world but like we really do not need more celebrities running for office in general like and i mean i'm honestly surprised that caitlin can run for office given that she literally killed someone in a car accident like i thought that was a precluding incident though i guess maybe not for like ted kennedy
1: Correct. Yeah, I mean, it was very buried, I will say. I, I only remember it um, when I'm driving down the PCH and just have a, a distant memory of briefly seeing it in the press. But yeah, it is shocking to me how quickly things can be buried, um, especially something of that magnitude.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is a larger issue issue that we may be getting into later as well. But let's move on Absolutely. to the second scenario, side ponytails. Does the governor need to be called?
1: You know, yes, I, I would say so. I think the side pony is just very jarring. You know, like when you're looking at someone and all you notice is just a, a large clump of hair hanging out the side, it's just, it doesn't work. <laughs>
0: Are That's you talking guy. about I, one side pony or two side ponies?
1: Well, two side ponies would be pigtails.
0: no. I guess, so this is where my limitations as a man comes in. I thought pigtails were just braids. Am I wrong in assuming that?
1: Yes, pigtails can be two side ponies. In which case I would say yes, call the governor. However, I do think that a nice braid look can be can be nice. Like the two pigtails with braids. I just think like the two actual side ponies hanging off the side of your head are not a good look ever.
0: It bastard definitely- It can be a very tough look to pull off. Like I've seen a lot of pop stars and drag queens both try to do this recently. And you have to have a lot of volume and lift in the ponytail, I think, to make that kind of look work.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd agree wholeheartedly. I think if it's part of like a bigger fashion statement, it can be okay. But if we're talking just about the daily, I would say it's a
0: pass. Oh, definitely a pass on the daily. I mean, that's like walking out in a gray sweatsuit, like total grout fit moment, but wearing like Cartier diamonds with it. Like if you're going to go so declarative with one thing, you need to at least elevate everything else.
1: I'd agree. Yeah. And that, that could be an elevation for the right person. But i right say,
0: person.
1: yeah, it, it, it really comes down to the person.
0: All right, let's move on to the third and final scenario. Frankie Jonas, the bonus Jonas, is a bona fide TikTok celebrity now. Does the governor need to be called?
1: Honestly, I respect it. And I'm so happy for him that he was able to find his way in on TikTok and and make a career for himself. I mean, he always had the platform. He never built anything off of his brothers. Like, he's a self-made man. So, yeah, I don't think the governor needs to be called on that one.
0: I think it's really cute. I think his content is very um, adult swim for me, which like is very hit or miss. Like I do kind of like that he's leaning into like the inherent absurdity of the platform. The thing that really charms me about him is that his day job is as an audio engineer. Like he does like work in the biz in a technical way, which I appreciate.
1: Good for him. Yeah, I honestly didn't know that. I mean, I see him... Yeah, I definitely get his TikToks. I wonder if it is a algorithm push situation. But um, regardless, I mean, I have respect for anyone that's making a career of on their own. And um, regardless of the content, as long as it's not problematic. So I'd say good for him. I hope that he continues to expand outside of the Adult Swim um, content, as you're saying, because I do think there's potential there. Like he's he's very charming yeah kind of funny so yeah i don't i wouldn't call the governor would you
0: you know i don't think i would i i think he might be my favorite jonas brother right now though i will say i'm not the biggest joe bro hive where do you stand on them
1: yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I think that the, I respect, again, the comeback. I think it's great they were able to make such an impact, but have always kind of been like a mid-2000s Jonas fan as part of like the bigger Disney infrastructure. Um, again, respect the hustle, but personally not, I've never been a Joe JoBro fan.
0: No, totally. I think, I guess we were, we're 24, 25. Like we were kind of the perfect age for them when they came out like they were definitely that sort of um disney teen pop star that's like very inoffensive to like young middle schoolers like we were but i don't know i mean maybe on my end i was just this was back when i was like tamping down my like closeted queerness but like i just never really got into it though i mean to be fair i was not really a big disney kid in general except for high school musical
1: Oh, wow. Okay, well, that's a whole nother subject that needs to be yeah. unpacked. But yeah, that's worrisome. I'm, I'm actually worried for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm really surprised, to be honest with you. But, but yeah, I don't think that they, I think they were a critical piece of the Disney machine, but not as critical as a Miley Cyrus or Demi Lovato. No. Or Hillary Duff.
0: Well, we we talk about Demi Lovato basically once an episode on this podcast because she is truly always in crisis. But they no, like Miley and Demi definitely, definitely have podcast. more staying. What? Can you, sorry, can you repeat that?
1: I'd love to be part of a Demi Lovato podcast. <laughs> I have so many
0: thoughts. I mean, we have not unpacked on this podcast her whole Froyo fiasco yet. Like I. I don't even have the vocabulary to go into why she fucked up this time with that. But I, yeah. we talked a few episodes ago, I guess, about like her documentary in general and how sort of odd it is. She is monetizing her recovery process in the way that she is. Like it's a little, I don't know. I, I feel bad about saying it. It is a little uncomfortable almost to me.
1: I I agree with you, and the reason why, if you're looking at it from a more macro perspective, is that there are millions and millions of other addicts in the world that have to get back up on their feet after, you know, going through a way less bougie recovery program and don't get a multi-million dollar deal with YouTube to get back on their feet. So if you're looking at it very skewed.
0: And the... I mean, her whole quote-unquote California sober lifestyle that she's doing right now, where she's still drinking in moderation and smoking weed in moderation, to me does not seem like a very replicable recovery method for 99% of addicts. Like, I don't know. It just feels a little irresponsible. Like, if you don't have the safety net of all these handlers, all these chaperones looking out for you, you can't do what she's doing.
1: Agreed. And and also, I mean, even regardless if you do have the chaperones around you, it's just not a sustainable way to live when you have an illness like that. It's yeah. Not.
0: I mean, if, if I had scientific. a life-threatening overdose that literally left me legally blind, I don't think I would drink again. But that's just me. I don't know. Right. This it's yeah. it's, it's tricky territory, but like I don't know it just doesn't feel feel very healthy.
1: No it feels like a a band-aid to a bigger issue that might unpack at some point which I hope it doesn't but it could.
0: Well speaking of bigger issues to unpack do you want to move on to this week's crisis?
1: I would love to I would love to. So what are are you bringing to the
0: oh sorry what are you bringing to the table this week?
1: Yeah, so I would specifically just love to talk about Chris Brown and um, more targeted, the her featuring Chris Brown song that came out a couple days ago, Um, and just the experience I felt as an industry person and the impact that had, but also just kind of the responses I was getting from others in the industry and industry adjacent.
0: Yeah, so go talk a little bit about how you responded to the new collaboration with her and how your posts were received by people? Like what kind of messages did you get?
1: Definitely. So yeah, I, I, um, I was upset that her decided to feature Chris Brown on her track that dropped the other day, mainly because I think that her entire image is based around being a powerful woman and a woman that um, you know, creates art based off of storytelling, and I feel like it's just totally the wrong narrative to attach someone like Chris Brown to your song, especially when there are so many other up and coming artists and poets that could have replaced him and, ha- and you know had their chance to shine, or even just in general, if it, it was a, if it was a move to elevate her song you know, there's so like, you know, she could have gone to Usher, she could have gone to so many other people that could have made a bigger splash than him. So I was firstly just confused by the choice, but then was starting to think about the bigger implications and they're both on the same record label and all of that. And it just kind of made me think like, is the music industry partially, if not entirely, one of the driving forces as to why Chris Brown isn't canceled in this day and age and also um what caused her to be okay with the label or you know her team around her pushing that collaboration no denying Chris Brown is a talented guy but you know if you do your research and due diligence since the Rihanna incident several years back there have just been a slew of other problematic things that have come up um, you know sexual assault allegations just general violence yeah. you know the guy clearly does, does not have a clean record and so I, I made a post on my Instagram the other day just being like I would just love some answers as to why the choice behind this and also I don't understand you know in this day and age especially when cancel culture is so relevant why the music industry hasn't stepped in and been like, this This is not a good role model for other young men, up and coming, you know, musicians. And it's just like, my, the response I got, you know, thank, I had people messaging me saying, thanks so much for speaking out about this. Like, nobody's speaking up about it. And it's such a necessary thing to bring up. Meanwhile, these people were not posting it themselves on their uh, social media. And then I had the other side of it, which were people, majority of which were at labels saying, you have to understand it's just a financial move. It's a market share move. All of these labels are just trying to get, you know, their artists to collaborate with each other and in turn, um, you know, raise each other's profile. And it's like, is is financial incentive enough to make, I don't know, to, to, leave, to leave such a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Um, so I don't know, it, it's just been like an ongoing it's an ethical issue for me at its core and it's like the same thing for when people are like oh yeah I voted for Trump because of financial reasons it's like you're basically picking fiscal over actual ethics and it's and I just feel like it's this constant issue in the music industry where people are sacrificing their morals and their ethics and what they truly believe in because of a check and it's so screwed up and I and I just think that This is just one example of that, that should be discussed.
0: I 100% agree with everything you just said. I, I understand the argument for, you know, trying to capitalize on market share, trying to like raise hers platform outside of this, like Grammy darling into a larger commercial force. But if you're gonna like pair her with someone else on RCA, the label that both artists are on, like, RCA has so many other R&B artists who are just as established as Chris Brown like was Khalid not available like was well Jivion I guess is epic but like there are other cross Sony collaborations you could do too it just doesn't really make it. like the the continued success of Chris Brown over the past 15 years truly does mystify me because those I mean just starting off with the Rihanna of the all. that happened I think in 2007 2008 like it's been a long time since that that happened and he never went away right
1: no no did not go away and and I you know I did some research before getting on this podcast because I just wanted to make sure my facts were correct but he even went as far as to get a deal with Netflix for a documentary on himself that multiple other industry professionals co-signed Including but not limited to J Lo and DJ Khaled. Um, so I thought that was interesting that a he was able to get that deal and and you know when you look at a lot of the articles even originally after this came out after you know after everything came out with Rihanna he still went as far as to say oh well she was hitting me too she was she was being violent with me yeah. too and it's like yes but you're a man you're you're bigger than her and you're Going to injure her far more than she would injure you if you hit her in the face, which she did.
0: No, like, yeah, it's
1: justifying
0: it's not, no, there's no justifying it. And I feel like a lot of label executives use that brief period in 2012 when Rihanna and Chris Brown got back together for a little bit, um, as like a code word for forgiveness. Which Rihanna, since the, when they got back together, has said was not the case. Like she still has like lingering trauma and resentment from all this, and I don't really know why. I don't know. It's not. It's not a band aid. Like that. Like brief period is not a band aid. Just because they have a song together from whatever unapologetic. Like that's not a band aid to anything. And so many other women right. have come forward since then. Like Karuchi Tran. His ex girlfriend of many years, from like 2013 to 2016, has had a restraining order against him since they broke up for violent behavior and stalking. So I don't know. He's not a reformed person.
1: No, and here's the thing do people deserve second chances? Yes, I, I think that they do. I think that if you better yourself and give back to communities that need it and educate yourself on issues and I think that you should have a second chance. However, I don't think that he did anything necessarily outside of what was court mandated and what his team told him to do that makes him a shining star for second chances. And also beyond that, I think that when you're in a position of power like this, um, you don't deserve to go back into power. I think he should have gone on with his life and, figured out alternative ways to be involved in music that kept him a bit more out of the limelight because what's basically happening is he's him getting this green you know this get out of jail free card is is showing that it's okay and that somebody else could do that down the line and i think the argument that people are going to make is okay well you know he rose to success when he was a kid he didn't come from a good background there's mental illness and it's like sure absolutely take all those things into account But this is not somebody who responded to this situation respectfully or to make any sort of statement or change. So he shouldn't be in the public eye anymore. And I don't know if you even know from more like musicals perspective too, but like beyond the Netflix documentary, he has a joint venture with Interscope where he's signing artists. Yeah, That's a totally separate record company than Sony where he signed. No, Universal.
0: And that's a huge source of income, too. Like, I mean, beyond just like platforming him with his music, like providing even more avenues for him to make boatloads of money. I mean, it's you're literally like creating avenues for an abuser, which I don't. Right. I mean, there. this is obviously a problem that is not just a Chris Brown issue. The music industry in general has a tremendous problem with continuing to elevate abusers. I feel like Dr. Luke is sort of the other big one that's right. sort of in the public eye right now. And he obviously, like for people who may not be familiar, he was accused of rape by the artist Kesha, um, I guess probably five or six years ago at this point. And the legal battle there is still not done. He has not faced any sort of recrimination for anything. And in fact, Kesha as of this week is getting sued for defamation by Dr. Luke. So it's not, It's there's not been any sort of justice, whatever that means. Um, For anyone in this situation, like Dr. Luke still has a venture with RCA, actually, like the same label that Chris Brown is on, um, through which he still develops and works with artists like Doja Cat and Becky G. Um, So he's been getting a ton of production and writing credits, even while while he has been, quote unquote, canceled by the larger population, which is a little... I don't know where do you why do you think about all of that
1: yeah i mean you know i i'm like pretty well versed on the dr luke issue i think it's the same thing it's like and, and thankfully i will say i also i also manage songwriters and producers i have found that a lot of um our our clients are uncomfortable signing to prescription yeah. because of that that's his public company um but, you know, I think I think it's a similar thing. And it also goes back to like how public the figure is that, you know, being accused or that is being canceled. And like, it's interesting that, you know, I don't think that Dr. Luke's accusation was necessarily as violent as what happened with Rihanna and Chris Brown, but it was certainly jarring and unacceptable. And, you know, someone was assaulted, bottom line. yeah, but. It's interesting how, depending on how public the figure was before, how accepted back they are. And it almost feels like Chris Brown was more accepted back than Dr. Luke was. But I also think that Chris was never really out of the public eye. And Dr. Luke tried to take a step back a bit and sort of be more of like an executive than anything else. Um, but yeah, and and it's the, unacceptable.
0: At the end of the day, Dr. Luke is still a bit. To most Americans, Dr. Luke is a, bes- a behind the scenes figure. Like a producer just inherently is never going to be as famous as a frontline artist. Like they're the face, the artist is the face of whatever song is being sung. Like right. it's very easy to hide behind a soundboard. Um, right. But it, I mean, both are, I guess, the difference between like sort of uh, beyond just like the difference in. Position that both Doctor Luke and Chris Brown have, like Chris Brown, never really went away, and Doctor Luke sort of did go away for a while, and he was only working with Kim Petras before this sort of recent revival, where he's been working with Doja Cat he's been working with Sweetie, who I need to disclaim, I work for Warner, she's a Warner artist, um, and a few other people. Like he's actually getting hits again, but also so is Chris Brown, though Chris Brown's been getting hits pretty consistently for the past ten years.
1: Right. Yeah, I think, look, I think that all of these things happening are, uh, you know, an an earthquake that hasn't fully hit yet. Um, I think that the music industry has not fully been impacted by the Me Too movement and just in general, a lot of the misogyny that runs extremely deep. Um, on the business side that does definitely trickle into the artistic side of the business I think the music industry has always been a place rooted in really deep racism and misogyny and it and I think thankfully it seems like with everything going on in the world and you know it, it does seem like things are starting to come to the forefront but I don't think that it has impacted at the level that it has in the film and TV industries. And I'm just kind of waiting to see when that happens because there are just so many people I deal with on a day-to-day basis, executive wise and creative wise that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised have um, tasks that are yeah. similar. Um, and I think that they're going to be exposed. Like, I think it's coming. Um, and I have just decided in I think everyone I work with, we feel the same way. It's like I'd rather be on the right side of history and making sure that I'm setting these boundaries now to not work with these types of people, because I don't care. At the end of the day, I, I don't want to work with someone that's successful just because of their track record if they're in a, if they're not a good person. Right. Like and- there are so many other talented people in the world. Like pick somebody else.
0: A song, an EP, an LP—they're all lasting documents too, like that never really go away. And it's it's hard to have this enduring cultural artifact be tainted by a creator who, you know, doesn't act appropriately, is abusive—all these things. I will I will say there is I'm not super good about policing myself and separating art from artists sometimes. Like, for whatever reason, I don't listen to Chris Brown music. I haven't even heard the song um, with her that sort of precipitated this conversation today. But I do listen to a lot of Dr. Luke music still. And I think I'm not, I'm definitely not alone there. I mean, The Best Friend by Sweetie and Doja Cat is the number 17 song in the country this week. And he's all over that song. Like, where where do right. you stand with this?
1: I mean, I think that when something's already out in the world and it's having the impact, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to listen and interact with art, um, you know, that just like has the cultural impact, like that song specifically. And yeah, it's really unfortunate that the artist still decided to make that record with him. But it's mm-hmm. like, I guess, I guess the way I look at it is more, it's like, okay, so what are you doing? To educate the people around you, and like I don't, I don't think it's it's grounds to for the artist to be canceled because there's just so many different moving factors behind the scenes too. Like right. we have no idea of like a label move or a publisher move or a manager move or whatever it is. Um, so in that sense, I think it's a bit it's it's harder to say. But I think now as more things are coming out, and it's it's and you are someone like her that has such a, a platform that is so pro-female, it's more that is, is when it starts to feel like disingenuous and like and like you really made the wrong move.
0: I think this, this collaboration really sort of exposed how her label, hers label feels about her. Sorry, it's so confusing to have an artist named her. Um, they really want to expand her into an actual commercial enterprise because i do think not to shit talk any artist's career or creativity she definitely has been more of like a grammys figurehead than an actual larger commercial force within the world of r&b like she's definitely not at the same level as say a scissor
1: right and I think it's I just think it's different though too um, you know i don't I don't know if you knew this even, but we um work with a company um, out of South l a that basically does spoken word poetry and um, we release their music on our label mm-hmm. um, because it's super impactful. It's a lot of like young um, kids of color that are talking about their experience in l a um, with everything going on politically and her was actually one of the kids that came out of that program. Oh, wow. I so no I, I, yeah, so I look at this, like, in a very different perspective. Um, she's, like, a poet at heart. I think that, you know, it's great. And she should be able to have a crossover hit if that's what she wants. But I also think it goes back to, like, remember where you came from and the people that helped you get where you are. And, like, you know, you're, you are a poet. You're you're like a, a person that profits off your words and, and and your word. Your real like your actual word and like people are people are going to start to see through that if it's a commercial play and that's that's how I felt and I just I was also shocked, like I don't know if you noticed this, but the song was number one on so many massive playlists across mm-hmm. the industry. And for those who don't know and are tuning in, like to be, you know, in a top slot on a, on a Spotify or Apple playlist or whatever it is. It's like that's a huge marketing driver. Um, and that also just felt like such, it just felt like all of the cards were working with Chris Brown in this release.
0: Yeah. At least
1: that's how I felt. But um, yeah.
0: No, he's, he's been on the cover of today's top hits and new music Friday and all these other playlists dozens of times over the past few years. And it is really disheartening to see his face at the top of a playlist that basically every Spotify user, every Apple music user listens to on a weekly basis. Like it's one thing if he's, if his fan base is generating all this, um, All this revenue, all these streams for him. But I mean, there's very obviously a lot of label coordination and DSP coordination doing this. So, which I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, usually this is the point in the discussion with my guests there where I'm like, how do we fix this? Like, what's going to change? I honestly don't think anyone's anything's going to change at the very least with Chris Brown.
1: No, I I don't disagree with you. I think, I think how we move on from here is we identify why things like this are happening and having these conversations like we are now and just call it to their attention. Like people should be tweeting her saying that, you know, why did you not pick someone else? Why did you pick him? And, and hopefully she can answer and maybe like take some accountability for why she made that decision. I think it's, calling out Netflix for for you know giving Chris Brown the opportunity to do that documentary and like allowing something like that to go up where he basically took no accountability and just sort of talked about his story and why what caused him to do that and I think it's like doesn't matter what caused you to do it like you still did it it's like why did Netflix allow that let's call out Netflix and and I think more than anything there is going to be a shake-up that happens like I mentioned and I think that it's identifying the bigger issues which are the corporations and the high-level executives that are allowing things like this to happen and are not causing any sort of positive change and making sure that they're held accountable and I think it's going to happen more and more and more like I'm you know I'm seeing I don't we want to get into names but like there are executives who were canceled that are back running companies now and yeah. it's like we're still not there yet i
0: i, I will and name i, I will name a name here la reed is running a company again you, so that's a true quote sure. that's not Alex's alice quote but yeah it's a little crazy yeah, you know, it's a little crazy
1: yeah and it's like there are a lot of kids that are signing to him. There are a lot of women that are signing to him. Like, I mean, Jennifer Lopez people-
0: is signed to him, and Hitco is distributed by WMG now, and sort of like a like a Virgin Services esque distribution model, which is crazy to me.
1: Right, right.
0: Not to call sorry it's- to call out my own company, but I do think that's a little weird to me. <laughs> so, I don't yeah, know.
1: I just think it's... It's like there are so many young, talented executives, there's so many young, talented artists that are looking for their shot to make an impact and create art and promote art that is meaningful and going to change culture positively. And it's like, you can't give someone else a shot. You still have to put your bets on the people that have already shown that they're incapable of maintaining a public image. And that sets a good example. And also just that they're like, not good people right like at their core ethically not good
0: if you're capable Um, of doing something like that i mean at your base level you're not a good person i think
1: right and good people shouldn't i mean and and people that are bad should not have the power to impact culture impact music culture the way that they have been to date And I think there were a lot of people behind the scenes that are still calling the shots that don't necessarily have any idea what they're doing and are just doing it for financial purposes, not, and and for their own benefit, rather than, you know, looking at the bigger picture as to how the world is changing and how people are seeing right through art that's not genuine anymore and right through the people. Um, And I think... I do think that it's a Gen Z thing. I think, you know, the kids of the generation above us, us, like definitely um, are going to be the ones that shake it up more than anything. And I hope it happens. I really do. I hope that people are going to be, you know, as the next group of kids that come into work in the music industry are going to say something about it. And these next group of artists, like Billie Eilish is one of the few, I think, that is actually spoken up about so many of these things and she's a gen dear with a huge impact yeah. i don't necessarily think that someone like you know a katie perry would have done that in her day i don't think she would have
0: oh definitely not
1: says and I, and I that, that something that we're moving in the right direction but there are just like hiccups like this chris brown incident that make that make me concerned
0: yeah i think that is all perfectly said um We're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back with our third and final segment. And we are back. Let's move on to our final segment. We're gonna play Tear the Community Apart. The rules are very simple. I have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Doesn't that sound easy?
1: Yeah. I, I well, it's a hard one. Though. I'm very upset.
0: <laughs> well, I think this is a pretty hard one this time. They're usually pretty hard. I try to make them hard, but these okay. are two generational pop classics by artists we have mentioned in this conversation already. Actually, both songs came out in 2010, were number one for many, many, many weeks, and you. Every other block in LA, you could hear one of these songs playing out of a boombox or a car. Which song is better? TikTok by Kesha or Teenage Dream by Katy Perry?
1: Okay, so that to me is like not even a question that teenage dream I love you Kesha love you Queen think you're amazing think that was an undeniable bop but teenage dream was the defining song of our childhood, I would say, I think that nobody captured. The teenage experience. Or just like that feeling of like wanting to get out, like Katy Perry did in that song. I think that that song is undeniably the best. Bonnie McKee, Max Martin, Ben, you know Benny Blanco, like great song, great fucking. But you can't deny
0: she. That is a world class team of hitmakers. I was just talking about Bonnie McKee actually with my friend Tyler. Shout out to Tyler last week. Um, I mean Bonnie McKee's like fingerprints are all over the best pop songs of that era like you could not have teenage dream I, as an album without bonnie mckee
1: no definitely not and i think bonnie is one of the few songwriters that was able to go in and really pull out the best of katie um for this album and i, I just think it's i mean it's it is her best album it's it's undeniable top to bottom listen um teenage dream is one of my favorite songs pop songs ever written too so I think that I don't know that holds a special place in my heart I do love Kesha though I really do I think TikTok is like was also a critical middle school song for me as well
0: oh yeah like you it is kind of buried in the narrative but like that first Kesha album honestly the first two Kesha albums are both hits on hits on hits on hits like in a way that there is something very almost dated about tiktok and how like sort of like half spoke like half wrapped and bratty it is like we don't really have that sort of bratty attitude in pop these days as much but like that song is so quotable and like it's just so catchy to dance to as well
1: yeah i mean that album was great like blah 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 was 303 a Mm -hmm. classic your love my drug a classic I think that, that it's interesting because that um, the vibe that Kesha puts off in that album is starting to come back. But it's more in like rock music or like right. punky pop music instead of like a little more pop uh, like this is. So I'm excited. I think it's like a new generation of she was like the next generation of Avril Lavigne's to me. And I think there's like another generation that's coming up. You know, like the Carly Hansons of the world. Yeah. I love Carly Hanson the best. I think that like her new music and um, you know, people in that lane are starting to to make an impact. So I'm I'm super excited. I love that this type of music too.
0: I know it's just it's nice to have sort of a I mean, I'm also like I'm a child of Avril, like Avril Levine <laughs> truly raised me. Um and it is fun to see that sort of like pop punk influence come back in in a very, like, 2021 context, like, I also really like Carly Hansen's music, but, like, she's carrying on the spirit of Avril without necessarily doing, like, Avril drag, Avril cosplay, though I wouldn't mind that either, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, I'm excited, like, I think it's, there's this interesting situation where, like, we're not sure if, like, the new, this new generation of, like, pop rock artists are gonna do, like, the trappy, vibe to it or go back to like the live drums and it it feels like a lot of the artists that my my clients are working with are like at this impasse and and it's hard to tell because like you know even like the ian's yours of the world and the young blood like it's Mm -hmm. there's no real sound that's come out on top yet i think that over the next you know maybe i'd say three years we'll see we'll see which what does but i think rock music always comes out on top like rock is
0: just glorified pop. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's really interesting to hear a song like Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo in the top 10 right now, because that is not, to me, even remotely a pop song. Like you could play that on alt radio very easily. And it's interesting that like Gen Z especially is really floating her boat commercially and responding to that sort of music that like three years ago, I think that would have been ditched onto like college rock radio.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think in addition to this like rock revival that's happening, we're also seeing a lot of kids that are resonating more with like the singer-songwriter just like really good lyrical songs. Like mm-hmm. it was so interesting that like Phoebe Bridgers is like charting on TikTok. It's like Gen Z is reacting to Phoebe Bridgers. Like Lizzy McAlpine is like another um, artist that's like coming off of that scene as well like I think Olivia kind of is too like her, her lyrics are actually like quite good like her and Dan Nigro have done a killer job yeah. on, this pro- on this project and I think that kids are not reacting Taylor Swift could not put have put out a better album during this time because I don't think another reputation would have done what these two albums did because mm-hmm. kids want lyrics now and they resonate with lyrics and stories. Because,
0: I mean, at the end of the day, TikTok is acting in a way. Like you are creating your own music video every time you make a TikTok. So you have to have something that's descriptive. You have, something, you have to have something that's emotive to actually convey the message and visual that you're trying to convey. So it does make sense that people are gravitating to what I'm going to reductively call like soundtrack songs like something that can like enhance the feeling the in the sentiment you're trying to convey like
1: right.
0: right we've talked about this on the pod before but like the mid 2010s like was so chain smokersy and vibey like it's kind of nice that we're coming out of that like everything's still very melancholic but like it is very lyric centric and I mean this is so arbitrary to say but it does feel like pop music's a little bit more artistic than it was like three or four years ago maybe that's unfair to say
1: no i agree i think it's more story driven than ever um and i think there are like a couple people that are like starting to move it that way i think every time adele puts out a new record you see Mm -hmm. people gravitating towards that again so hopefully she puts out something this year and um that pushes things more in in that direction as well but you know you never know you never know but I do think music is really cyclical and I think that rock's coming back and um we're gonna see more like singer songwritery people that um come to the forefront in the next like six to
0: eight months yeah absolutely well I think it is time unfortunately to wrap up the episode but Alex where can people find you on social media
1: um, You could find me on my Instagram or Twitter, which is Alex underscore underscore Valenti, V-A-L-E-N-T-I. Would love to have you on my um content where I mainly just promote my clients, not <laughs>
0: myself. <laughs> and, but, like, also, what a list of clients. Like, I am truly obsessed with your artists. Like, especially my favorite Thanks. this year. I Thanks. love Chloe Tang's music, especially. Shout out to Chloe Tang. Like, her... Songs are so good. Like I actually cannot believe like like speaking of like child children of like Lord and Billie Eilish, all these people, like she's doing awesome lyrically driven pop music that feels very fresh.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I'm really excited for Chloe. And I think like we just kind of set the stage putting out some songs this year, but this new round of music is like totally wild and like bombastic and like in your face and bold and I think you're gonna really like it I think a lot of people are gonna resonate with it and her story is just so great and mm-hmm. she's been working so hard to like try to figure out um her story and her sound and I think that people are gonna really like it I'm I'm excited
0: awesome um I am not nearly as interesting or accomplished on social media but you can follow me on instagram at drew haskins Twitter at fka pigs with a Z, and of course, subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for cultural commentary in the written form and a fun weekly playlist that people seem to enjoy very much. Um, So with that, I will leave you. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex.
1: Thank you for having me. I love you, you're the best.
0: Uh, I love you too, Quina. You are truly the biggest treat on earth. Um <laughs> <laughs> all right, bye bye everyone bye